0: why are we here? Like, right here. Sitting with these people at this exact time. There's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together." together. This reflects a timeless truth. A truth written into our DNA that affirms the notion that in a world that is increasingly isolated, progressively self-absorbed, and dynamically individualistic, we are better Better together. together. We were made this way by a creator who is and has always been united in diversity. He is the definition of unity, community, and solidarity, three in one. And scripture says our Creator created a community for us to thrive in, a community who, though diverse and different, would gather together, a community who could express themselves authentically with a God who loves them, people who need one another, and a world waiting to hear. A community of Christ followers who who are are committed committed to being real real with with God, God, real real with each other, and real real in the world. world. A community who is, by design, better, better together. together. All right. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Great. Fantastic. Welcome to Manuka Bible Church. Thanks for joining us this morning. My name is Pastor Jason, and I have the pleasure and honor of kicking off our brand new series called Better Together. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for those of you who are online, streaming right now from your living room, or your comfortable Tempur-Pedic bed or whatever you sleep in. And uh, so thanks for joining us, and we are excited to be kicking off this series. We've got this great um, visual on the back, and I love it. It's, these are pictures of us. This is us as a, as a church, and uh, we had uh, uh, Trisha Satorius uh, offered to take these pictures a couple weeks ago. And whether you're uh, a family, a couple, or, or um, single, married, empty nest, or whatever, we are the church. And this is a reminder of John 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and your life depends on my life. And so uh, today we're going to be uh, kicking off this series where we're going to be diving deeper into who we are as a church and this concept that we are better together. And so we're, we're so excited. Before we jump in, uh, let me just say an a, a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for who you've created us to be, where you're leading us. Direct our thoughts this morning on the importance of knowing who we are. And may we find ourselves in you. So speak to us, God. Challenge us and prepare us even for the weeks ahead where we will um, continue to clarify and define who mbc is in your name we pray amen all right let's let's get this going this guy who's this guy anyone know it's shakespeare shakespeare it is shakespeare to be or not to be that is the question whether 'tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against the sea of troubles and by opposing them to die to sleep. I feel like I already sound smarter just by like reciting Shakespeare in front of all these people, but I'm not. like, I'm not an English major. I, I'm actually, uh, how many of you are Shakespeare fans? Anybody? Yeah, we got a couple. Great. Right. I saw like five, which is awesome. We do have some English teachers in here, so um, I, 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 like, I'm in no place to be doing this. Um, last, last service, I said, how many Shakespeare fans? No one raised their hand. I'm like, I, I might as well just move on to the next uh, point. But um, anyway, I, I actually didn't do well in English in high school, but I passed in college. I did get a D. I had to take a class over, an English class. <laughs> just a confession. Um, I was more, it wasn't that I wasn't good. I just didn't apply myself as most teenagers, right? And, uh, and so anyway, I just needed to study. And so kids, just do the work, just study. Don't, make, don't be like, oh, Jason, Pastor Jason got a D. I can get a D. No, it's not true. Not true. Um, as, as I was preparing uh, for this talk this morning, that phrase, though, stuck out. Because we all know that phrase. And I, I thought, hey, I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into some Shakespeare and think about that. To be or not to be. So as I was, as I was studying, I didn't like go and watch Hamlet or, or, or you know, read some sort of extended biography or, or uh, uh, commentary on this. Uh, but as I, was, as I was looking at that and reading what others had, had uh, reflected on regarding this famous passage here by Shakespeare, to be or not to be, that is the question. And in this opening line, the, uh, the character is wrestling with the idea of existence, to be or not to be. Should I exist or should I not exist? That's, that's what I'm thinking about right now whether it's nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. He's asking, is it nobler or better or more excellent to suffer this bitter hand of fate? Because there are circumstances for sure, and this is true today, the circumstances that are out of our control. That, um, of course, as believers, we know that God is in control, but there are things that can happen to us. So is it better to kind of just suffer those, like grin and bear it, and suffer those things, or to take arms against fates, and the things that are out of our control, to take arms against those seas, a sea of troubles, and by opposing them, what? To die, to sleep. Essentially, would it be better just take my own life, and, and take control, and put that in my own hands? And this concept, this conundrum that he's at, of to be or not to be. Essentially, should I live, or should I die? And when I, when I kind of made that connection in my head this week, I had a quick... Just, I, like, I was reading that, like, should I live or should I die? And then I was thinking, man, the Bible talks about death more than just the physical death. And every day we have to wake up and ask this question of ourselves, right? Should I live or should I die? Because God has called us toward life. And death in the scriptures is equated with sin, And we know that we don't have to physically die to be experiencing death. I mean, we know that each of us have experienced days or even weeks or months or whole seasons of our life, perhaps before we were a Christian, perhaps you're in that season right now where you feel like your life just stinks of sin and death. And we have to make that choice to choose life, to choose life. And so, Solomon knew this, right? He said, there's a, a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And it was important for him to be recorded twice. The exact, both of those verses say the exact same thing. And our choice every day on this earth is to say, as followers of Jesus, am I going to embrace the abundant life that Jesus has called me toward? Or am I going to settle for the death that tends to wreak havoc in my life? And in some ways, to be or not to be is the question, who am I going to be? What am I going to be? We all have to wrestle with that question, and, and just so you know, anytime there's something in the notes, there, there are notes that you can write in the back, or if you have the app, you can take notes in the app. Um, that'll pop up just to kind of give a little trigger indicator. Hey, you can take this, uh, you can write this down in the notes. But who am I going to be? And last, last weekend, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, that's kind of the time of life when we start to think about that, right? New year, new creation, new you. Some of you are very uh, good at setting having resolutions, and setting goals. And I think that's, that's great because um, we all need to press pause at times. And if you think of life as a journey, as a path, we all need to pause at times and say, am I walking the correct path? Is there a course correction that needs to be made? Is there something different that needs to be done? It's a chance for us to pull out the map and say, okay, where am I on this thing, on this journey in life? Am I headed in the right direction? Or even, you know, essentially like if you go with the journey metaphor, you climb a tree and you look around and say, Hey, am I even in the right forest? Am I even in the right location? We all have to wrestle with that. And it's so important for us to do that. Because what's at stake here is the issue of identity. The issue of identity. And if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, we hope that uh, you would start to learn and discover God's truth in his word, that you were created with a purpose and an intention and with a design. That your identity comes from him and that you will be lost in this world if you do not connect with your creator. We hope that you would discover that. And that's what I love about the scriptures. It speaks directly into that, right? I mean, the scriptures speak to our true identity, right there in the first chapter of the first book of the scriptures, that we are created in God's image, and that we were made for him, and that we'll be lost until we find ourselves in him. And this concept of identity is so important, so fundamental to living, because if you don't know who you are, you've got nothing. And the reason that, we're, that I'm talking about identity and, and really this morning is sort of a preface to the rest of this series as to say we need to understand our identity, not just personally, but as a church. But before I get there, I want to kind of trace this theme throughout the scriptures. Because if you look throughout the scriptures, this theme of identity is so prevalent, right? And so we'll kind of just look at, at a bunch of them um, we're not going to necessarily open there, if you if you want to study a little bit later on. But I mean, think about it, even as you just read whatever you're reading in the scriptures this week. Think of it through the lens of of identity. That's interesting. Did did everybody see that turn green for a second? Okay, did you? Oh, it did it again. Oh, sorry. I just want to make sure I wasn't going crazy. That's all. Because um, it's possible. All right. Is that what he's doing it too? Okay. I'll just look at my phone here. Um, Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, right? God tells Adam, Adam, you are made in my image. And what happens in Genesis 3? He loses that. He loses that. He tries to be someone else, someone different apart from who God has created him to be. Abraham in Genesis 12. God says, Abraham. You are going to be a father to all these nations. And those nations are going to be, a, or that nation is going to be a blessing to all the other nations. I will be their God. They will be my people, their identity. The, in the Exodus, the nation that God has called out and, and that was enslaved in Egypt was rescued by God. Why did they celebrate Passover? Why did they celebrate some of those feasts? Why? To remember who they were. And all throughout, Exodus through Deuteronomy, you see God saying to them, I'm the God who has saved you and rescued you from the hand of Egypt. Your identity now is that you are the redeemed. You are the rescued people. That is part of your identity. That is your identity. David, he says, David, you are the king and your kingdom will last forever. Your throne will last forever. And that was so important for Jesus, right? In, in the gospels, you see that for him to be coming from the line of David was so key. Because it showed that his identity was rooted in this promise that God had made to David about who, he's, who he was. Throughout the prophets... Right? The prophets are constantly saying to the nation of Israel, "Don't forget who you are." And that's where they got off track, was they forgot about their identity and started living as if they were people who could worship other gods. Jeremiah, Jeremiah um, prophesies about this new covenant, this new covenant that God says, "I will write their law, I will write my law on their hearts." They will be my people, and I will be their God. He's saying that this, this, this new covenant, this new way of living is, gonna, is, a, is going to come into, into existence. Of course, Jesus' baptism, right? God, a voice comes from heaven, says, this is my son. This is who he is. In him I am well pleased. God confirms Christ's identity, and he does so at the transfiguration as well. He's on a mountain, and he's transformed, and he's he's like shining bright, and He's just all this glory is is, um, coming down on him, and, and his disciples who are with him see him, and they can't even hardly look at him. And they hear this voice from heaven, this is my son who I'm well pleased with. Listen to him. Why? because of his identity, because of who he is. And of course, the New Testament uh, epistles and letters, you you see Paul saying over and over again, church, this is who you are. You are the bride of Christ. You are the new creation. He speaks that into into their lives and asks them to live in light of that. And the main passage that we want to focus on this morning is Matthew 16. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open to that. If you're in the app, it's just a little click away. Matthew 16, starting at verse 13. And, and this is such a key turning point in the book of Matthew. And if you read, um, uh, if you kind of read before, you see the context. He, Jesus takes his disciples out to this place called Caesarea Philippi. And his point here is he wants to make explicit his identity. And he asked them straight out, Who do you think that I am? Verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus, again, this passage is so theologically rich and robust, and, and, but what I want to look at here is how Jesus is confirming to them his identity, and the importance of knowing that. And he says, To Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. My Father has given you spiritual insight to understand and know and see who I am. Verse 18, and I tell you that you, Peter, on this, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I love that. He turns right around and speaks into Peter's identity. And he says, Peter, I'm gonna, you are a rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And the identity of the church, what's one of the key things? The gates of hell are not going to be able to overcome it. And it changed the course, changed the direction of Peter's life. And what happened just two verses later? Jesus starts explaining to him, what, what does it mean to be the Messiah? because they had an idea of who Messiah was, what the identity of Messiah meant. And Jesus says this in verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. I mean, that's that's pretty cut and dry, I would think. However, Peter says, no, no, no never, he said, he began to rebuke him and said, never, Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. And that's when, when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And, and essentially, he was course correcting Peter. He was saying, Peter, your idea of Messiah and, and this idea that I, I'm not supposed to suffer, I'm not supposed to die, that's the wrong Messiah. That's the wrong idea of who I am. Peter, you need to understand who I am. And, 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 and Jesus very sharply brought him back. And he said, he said, no, no, no. That idea that Messiah must not suffer, that is of Satan. That's that's Satan's way of Messiah. This is God's way. This is God's way. Because here's the truth, I think that we can pull from that, and I think that would apply to us both personally for us as a church. I think that it applied to, to Peter and his direction in his life, of course to Jesus, and, and as you watch the story unfold, the rest of the book in Matthew. Here's the truth. Identity determines direction. Identity determines direction. Who you are will determine where you will go. And if you don't have, if you don't know who you are, you've got nothing. Because again, identity is so important. It's true for us as individuals and the direction and course of our lives. And it's also true for us as a church. And it's so important to periodically make clear, I believe, that for us as a church, to make clear who we are as a church and what we're doing here. And one of the ways we do that each week is we recite our mission statement, right? To be a community of Christ followers who are committed to being real with God, real with each other, real in the world. You can almost say it in your sleep. And that's great, but we want to make it crystal clear so that every time we do recite it, it has that much more meaning. And so for the next several weeks, that's our focus. We're drilling deeper into our mission statement so that every time we say it, we know exactly who we are called to be as a church, and that we're all on the same page. Which brings us to clothes. I'm going to do that one or two more times. One of this it's that arrow thing that he says, right? The transitional, which brings us to whatever. And you're like, what? How does your brain work, man? It's amazing, by the way, because I get into conversations with him. I was like, dude, how does your brain work? That's pretty awesome. Um, Brings us to close. So I did something kind of weird this week. Uh, I have this really, I have this jacket. I wear it almost every day. It's it's super warm. It's a quality jacket. It was kind of expensive, and it's a certain brand, and it's got a certain like little patch here. And I don't know if, what caused me to do it, but earlier this week, I um, I cut the label off. Like I just <laughs> took off the stitches. My wife was like, "You're so weird." Um, but like I, for some reason, I had this moment where I was I was kind of like a little bit self-conscious of, oh man, it's, if maybe, you know, if someone sees me and I have this, like they're going to think that I, you know, spend a lot of money on clothes or, and which I guess I did if it was, you know, a nice jacket and it's kind of expensive. But um, I thought, I, I, don't, I don't want, I don't want that to be, I don't want to communicate that. And, I, and then as I was thinking, I'm like, man, you know, like, yeah, clothes kind of, they communicate stuff, right? Like when we wear, they're an expression to a degree of who we are. Some people don't absolutely don't care at all. And that's, that's cool too. But I think for, for a lot of us, you, you think about, well, how does, this clo- how does this item of clothing represent who I am? So this is some of my wardrobe here, right? This is one of my favorite Hawaiian shirts. I love it. Like when you see this on someone, you think, oh man, that, that guy's pretty laid back, right? He wants, to, he wants to party. He wants to have a good time. Like that's, that's cool. I want to be his friend. Um, you may look at this shirt and say, It says lifetime try. What does that express? Oh, he's, oh, wow, he's, that guy's an athlete, you know. He's into um, fitness or what have you. Or you may look at this shirt and say, man, that guy is into good hamburgers, right? Little In-N-Out shirt. If you've ever heard about Southern California or been to Southern California, you need to check out In-N-Out. It's a great hamburger joint, better than five guys. Um, I'm a little biased. We think, oh, that guy likes to eat. You see uh, someone wearing this shirt and you think, man, they want a death wish. They have a death wish, right? <laughs> like, why would he wear that shirt around Chicagoland area? Why, you know, why would some goofball wear a Minnesota Wild shirt in an announcement video in Blackhawks country? Wear this shirt. What does that express? It's, this is my Spy Kid shirt. It says Ninja on the back because that's my Spy Kids nickname. What does that express? I think a lot. I mean, Spy Kids has been a, a pretty awesome program in this community. And whether it's, you know, this, this Spy Kids shirt or like our NBC website or logo, the truth is, obviously our church is more than a label, it's more than a brand, but this kind of stuff communicates something about us. And, and we want to make sure, as a, as a leadership team, as a board, we want to make sure that NBC... Communicates more than just, oh, they have great children's programs. Oh, did you see their new building? It's pretty awesome. Oh, did you see their new youth room? Oh, yeah, they've got a great worship band. Oh, their teaching is so cool. You know, their pastor makes these great illustrations that I, yeah, tells these great stories. I want to make sure, we want to make sure that as a church, we know who we are. And I want to be much more than just a great program. I want us to be much more than just great teaching. And that's what we're going to be diving into this week. So that each of us can represent MBC well. So what are our aims for this series? The first one, basically to explain and own the mission statement. That we would be able to do that and do that well. That every week we say it, it doesn't become just a routine, but that it becomes something meaningful and that, that you can take ownership of it and say, how does real with God, real with each other, real in the world play out in my life individually and then in, in our life as a church? And when we're explicit about that, we're able to do so, live it out with intention. The second one would be to explore God's desire for you personally. Part of owning the mission statement is to personalize the mission. And so we're hoping that over the next few weeks, you would say, how how is, if, if I'm going to be connected to NBC, how do I personalize and internalize this mission so that I can live faithfully as a follower of Jesus and be true to the gospel? What are my priorities? What is motivating me each day? What does God want for my life? That's a question, right? Because God we, We have stuff that we have goals, we have dreams, we have resolutions, we have aspirations. And I believe that God's dream for our lives is always abundantly bigger than what we can think or dream or imagine. And that by surrendering to him, we catch glimpses and are able to live into that. For us to experience community at a deeper level that we would dive deeper into what does it mean to be real with each other. And that may be uncomfortable for you because you may think, man, people are just kind of annoying. <laughs> I don't even like being around people. It's hard for me to come to a Sunday morning service because there's so many people. They're so weird. They talk about Hawaiian shirts. And... But we believe, like we said in the video, that we are better together. That if we stick together, if, ever, if we work together, Salvation is not just an individual pursuit. It is. We all have to make that decision ourselves. But it, salvation is also, part of that, is an entrance into community. And being saved and, 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 and making a decision to follow Jesus is, is also making a decision to enter into community and relationships and accountability. Um, to express our values as a church now we haven't made these values very explicit or specific um, but a couple years ago we started to wrestle with that question as a staff what are our core values and so I'll briefly mention them here and I hope that as we talk about these cuz values really they shape culture you know they they're they're kind of like the unspoken like sort of feel of the church and and hopefully these resonate with you and here's the thing too we hope that by making these explicit that if you're like, hey, hey, this is not us, or if we do something, or if I do something, or if any of us do anything that says, that reflects poorly on who we are as a community, as a church, that you say, no, 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 that's not how we do things around here. The first one is that real relationships come first. This idea that we see transparency and honesty and authenticity. The idea that of grace before judgment, that we are a grace-filled church and that we don't stand at the door, you know, kind of making sure people have their lives together before they walk into these doors. That we want to embrace people where they're at. But of course, we don't want to necessarily leave them where they are. We want to challenge them to step into the unknown, to step into the discomfort zone. Because that's where God often does the best work, is in places where we are uncomfortable, both individually and again, as a church, as a church, Um, the idea that the value that saved people serve people, that we're not saved just for ourselves, that we are saved in order to be a blessing to others, to give, whether um, you are serving in a a ministry or or just have that mindset of I serve other people and I make my life others-centered. And finally, this concept that leaders make leaders, that we want to raise up leaders within the church to lead for the sake of the gospel, whether you're leading a small group, whether you're leading by being a part of the greeting team or in youth ministry or children's ministry, leading a real life group. Everybody leads someone. You're a parent, you lead your kids. We want to make sure that people are being equipped and encouraged to lead well. Our values, expressing those values, As a church. And finally, to expand our vision for who we are to become. Expand our vision for who we are to become. That until we step forward, until we make any more progress as a church, we've got to make sure that everybody knows who we are. Because identity determines direction. Which leads us to the Disney movie Moana. So, uh, some of you have seen this movie, some of you haven't. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but um, Moana quickly became one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. I love how um, stories and myth and legend can and can sometimes just explain truth more powerfully than just a, a you know, a prepositional phrase or a proposition. Um, sorry, my, that's my English thing. I'm can't even use the right words, uh, than just a statement. You could say, like, yes, identity, you know, matters. Knowing who you are matters. But then, like, you kind of watch a movie like this, you're like, oh, yeah, like, it really, it really does. And it, in a much more powerful form. I mean, C.S. Lewis, he used it in Chronicles of Narnia, right? And you see it in Lord of the Rings. Like, there are truths that are sometimes more colorfully illustrated and understood through story. And Moana is the story of this girl who grows up on this beautiful island. Just imagine like Hawaii, like without, before it was commercialized and stuff. And who they are as a people, they're people of the island and the island gives them what they need. The coconuts, the grass, the leaves for making their baskets, the fish for them to eat, uh, the materials they, they receive from the island and they take care of the island and they give back to the island. But the problem is in this world the, uh, the, the greater world has been cursed and the curse is starting to affect the island. And Moana is the daughter of the chief, the chief of the island, the leader of the island, and she's being groomed to lead as well. And in her heart, there's this calling that perhaps if we're gonna survive as a people, we're gonna have to go out into the ocean beyond the reef and find the cure for this curse and overcome it and perhaps even go somewhere else, maybe to another island. And her dad says, no, 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 you can't go past the reef. That's the rule. No one goes past the reef. Who we are is we're people who depend on the island. But she felt this longing. She had this desire in her heart to lead her people into something else. But she said, how can I do that? And she felt stuck until her crazy grandmother showed her a cave where she found these boats, these old boats that had been hidden away. And as she walks in there with a torch and and she realizes she has this sort of like this vision of who her people were, they were voyagers. They were voyagers, They were travelers. They had come from another island. And so for them to continue to do that, to voyage out, to step out into the unknown, to look for other places, to perhaps find a way to reverse the curse that had been put on their world, they were going to need to voyage out. And the reason that she felt that longing, that calling, was because it was deep in her DNA. It was deep in her blood. It was deep into who they were as a people. And as soon as she finds this out in the movie... It changes the course of her life. Why? Because identity determines direction. As soon as she understood who she was, it set her on a different trajectory. And that, that question, Moana, do you know who you are, is so potent, it's so powerful, it's all throughout the movie. And that idea of coming back to her identity. Was always what pushed her forward. Church, do you know who you are? Do you know what you are capable of? Are you ready to be the church that God has called us to be? You are the saved, you are the redeemed. You've been called forth by Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're not your own. You are his. You were bought with a price. You're his bride. You're his body. You are his hands. You are his feet. And until he returns, we must not stop living up to the calling that he has on our lives. Our God is a great God, Amen. And he can and will do great things in and through us as a church. So if you're ready to be the church that God has called us to be, let's over these next weeks intentionally drill deeper to what it means to be real with God, real with each other, real in the world, so that we can maximize the impact that God wants to have through us. Amen? God we're so blessed and we're so humbled that you would just use us in our little corner of the earth to make an impact both here locally, nationally, worldwide, through missionaries we support, through trips that we do. So God, um, over these next few weeks, would you just um, remind us and show us who you've called us to be, who we are as a, as a church, who MBC is, so that we can live out the truth and see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week. Walk with God. You are dismissed.